Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christiana, over there to my actual left, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Kern. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing very well. It has been one of the craziest weeks of playoff baseball in recent memory. These playoffs have already delivered uh, on a much higher note than I can really think of in any of the last two seasons. I think as of right now, like the only playoffs year that I can really think of that relates to this one would be 2019. But other than that, it's been an outstanding postseason so far. Yeah, absolutely. It's not an exaggeration to say it's been one of the craziest weeks because of, I mean, it, it, it's, it was very easy to pick the chalk teams like this year mm-hmm. specifically. Like, like specifically like the Astros... Uh, Dodgers and Braves have been so dominant for the last definitely like four months mm-hmm. and you know they didn't didn't even make it to the the winner take all game um it's been it's been crazy the way that these games have been won has also been crazy mm-hmm. it hasn't always been the three run home run it's just a little little dink here a little dunk there you know RBI single and boom you win the game that's just kind of how it's how it's been and I'm here for it. Yeah, it's been an awesome, awesome ser- er, uh, weekend. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of. Obviously, everything was so unpredictable. Mm. You know, like I know you nailed your Astros prediction, but it really doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like. Yeah, <laughs> it really does not. Like the Astros, like sure they 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 played they played three games against the Mariners and won all of them, but they didn't win that series in three. Right. If if that makes sense. Yeah. They they. Uh, it wasn't a, a dominant three-game sweep <laughs> um, by any stretch, but yeah, like predictions have just gone awry, and uh, that's that's a good thing when yep. the things that are predicted. Because, uh, and we'll start with the series we least predicted to go how it did: uh, Dodgers Padres. Yeah, this is this is definitely the storyline yeah. uh, series from this weekend. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, there's the so many factors that made this a surprise. I mean, you have, you know, 111 win Dodgers versus 89 win Padres. Uh, Dodgers start the series at home. That's obviously an advantage as well, you know. And they played each other 19 times, and the Dodgers won 14 of those times. Yeah, I mean, it just... And nothing made sense in the series because yeah. it felt like it was just too unreasonable to go with the Padres given everything that we had known coming into that series. I mean, starting Mike Clevenger game one, and to be fair, that is the only game that the Padres lost. Yeah. But everyone just brought their A game in San Diego. The, not not just the players, but the crowd brought it. Yeah. Like, that place was... I, I thought it was going to be a much bigger mix of Dodger fans, and I'm sure there were. They just didn't have anything to cheer about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. I mean, there. yeah, not much to cheer for with a Dodgers fan. But yeah, the I mean the Padres have just come to play. I should say, um, yeah, I should apologize to the Padres and their fan base because I've 
literally predicted zero wins for them the entire playoffs. I predicted two. I predicted the, the Mets to sweep them. Then I predicted the, the Dodgers to sweep them. I gave them no chance in either series. I even won win yeah. against the Mets. Yeah. And I feel a little bit better about myself than you probably do. And I mean the yeah the Padres have just really surprised us, and they've been kind of like who they've kind of supposed to who they kind of yeah. supposed to were be. Or, mm-hmm. They were supposed to be. Yeah, how kind of how they were supposed to be. Yeah, it's uh, it it's been fun to watch, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, we could go into the details of this series. Um, what I wrote down was it was really a matter of the Padres bullpen being amazing, and the Dodgers really failing with runners in scoring positions, specifically in those last three games. Yeah, they went 0 for 20 at one point, which yeah. was according to uh, AR alum Sarah Langs, I think was the third highest. Uh, like runners in scoring position, hitless streak over some period of time, or maybe it was just in Dodger history or playoff history or whatever it was. But either way, it was a pretty substantially bad stretch that the Dodgers had with runners in scoring position in those games. Right, uh, 100%. And, I mean, you know, like, sometimes we see uh, sometimes we see runners in scoring position numbers, like, um, as somewhat fluky, and sometimes they can be. However, like... That is what wins playoff games is yep. the ability to to come through when it when it matters most. And yeah, fun, funnily enough, um, at the uh, Saber convention, didn't um, one of the other scholars had yes. a presentation on what wins playoff games? And it's like left on base percentage. That was the and it makes sense. Yeah, you know, it's something that isn't sustainable over a long period of time. But this isn't a long period of time. It's four games in this case. Yeah, shout out to I think it was EJ, EJ Wong. EJ Wong, yeah. Yeah, out of Boston University. Yeah, shout out to and him. one of his professors gave a pretty solid uh, presentation. And yeah, it's it's really translated here. Um, so with the Padres bullpen, I mentioned throughout the whole series, including the loss, they had 16 innings pitched, one run allowed, uh, which is like a .5 something ERA, uh, 20 strikeouts, five walks, no homers. And their strikeout minus walk rate was twenty five percent. League average is like fourteen percent. So yeah. they were they were just there. Most notably, Robert Suarez and Josh Hader. They got run pretty much in like every game except Hader didn't get run in the uh, in the first game. Understandably, um, Suarez went four innings scoreless, three strikeouts, one walk, and he allowed a lot of pop like pop ups or what was bordering bordering on a pop up. Five of the 11 batted balls he gave up had launch angles above 40 degrees, and all of them ended up being outs. And then Josh Hader has looked phenomenal the whole postseason. He went three and a third scoreless with six strikeouts, one walk, and his average fastball velocity in this series was 98.5 miles per hour, which is 1.1 mile per hour above his regular season average, which was 97.4 miles per hour. Yeah, what do, you, what, what do you think about this Padres bullpen and how they've really transformed? It's been, I mean, the playoffs feels like it always comes down to which bullpen just becomes immortal. Like, the Braves bullpen was a big worry uh, worry point for them Yeah. in the playoffs, but they had, what, Luke Jackson, A.J. Minter, uh, Will Smith, and Tyler Matzek all step up at the same yeah. time. The, the 2018 Red Sox, their bullpen wasn't supposed to be good. They stepped up. The 2019 Nationals, you could even point to. Like, Daniel yeah. Hudson became a, a, a bullpen ace yeah, during Patrick, that time. Patrick Corbin. Patrick Corbin coming out of the bullpen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it really does come down to which team has a bullpen just completely step up 
and the Guardians did it for a while, which obviously their scenes on the line t- tonight. Uh, we'll we'll be talking about that later in the show after that game is over. But the Padres bullpen has been probably their biggest strong point this entire yeah. time. Yeah, and I mean, if the Padres bullpen, like to be to be straight, is the Padres bullpen if they performed like they had the previous three months. Mm-hmm. I think the Dodgers probably win the series. I mean, uh, the Dodgers or the Padres ended the season like from July on with a bullpen ERA above four, and I think it was like the ninth worst yeah. um, bullpen ERA in that three month span. So. To see them kind of transform, Josh Hader seems to be out of that really bad, you know, whatever the word for a pitcher slump is. Yeah. That really bad just vortex of giving up yeah. a home run every appearance. He seems to be out of that and seems to be the old Josh Hader. I mean, he ended the series by striking out Betts, Turner, and Freeman. Yeah. And what I will say also is Suarez and Hader did both end the regular season with scoreless streaks mm-hmm. of at least nine innings, so they seem to be... In they, the re- they were definitely hot going yeah. into the postseason, and they have kept themselves that way. Um, can we talk about that LA Times article? You, have you seen that? <laughs> uh, which one? It was like, they should just cancel the playoffs and hand the Dodgers the trophy. <laughs> yeah, which is just... Like, I, I get it if they have won, like, four World Series in the past decade. Yeah. But if, if we were talking about like the if we were saying this going into the two thousand one playoffs with the Yankees, I'd be like, you know, they kind of have a point. Yeah, right. <laughs> Why even play these playoffs? But oh, it's like, the Yankees, Diamondbacks. It's like sure, yeah, the Dodgers won a hundred eleven games this year, but they won a hundred six last year and didn't make it to the World Series, and they won a hundred six in twenty nineteen and didn't make it out of the first round, and <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like it, it's not, you know, you can't act like this is the Dodgers have always been dominating the playoffs. That's just not the case. Um, while we're on this topic, and I know that maybe this is a point for later, but can we talk about this narrative of oh, the the first round buy is not good? Because yeah. like the there were buys before. They weren't this long, but I mean, I'm trying to think. Like the So the last game that every team played was on a Wednesday. And then the LDS started on what? A Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah, I, it was a four. That's one day more than what it was in the previous format because it was right. it was you play on Sunday, your next game's Friday. Yeah. Maybe maybe Thursday, but in some cases it was Friday. It's only a day more of rest. I don't think. Yeah. It makes that much of a difference. Yeah, I think I think it's easier to think that it's longer because it's a three game series instead of a a two game or instead of a, one game each instead of one game each. However, yeah, like I mean, there were cases where. The wild card game, like the wild card game, would be Tuesday and Wednesday. And yeah, if it was, if the AL wild card game was on a Wednesday, then the AL teams would play on Friday. So it was yeah. four days off as opposed to, um, as opposed to five days off, which how it how it is now. Yeah, I didn't actually. That's a good point. I never looked at it at it from that perspective. Like, you really want to tell me one more day is the difference between non-competitive and all of a sudden competitive series, right? Especially when, like, you know, one team has a fully rested staff and bullpen, and one of them is just coming off a, you know, it's like, look at all the game one matchups besides Mariners Astros. Like, they were all such mismatches. Right. Like, Garrett Cole versus Cal Quantrill twice. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, what? Like, Mike Clevenger versus Julio Urias, of course. And then, you know, Max Fried versus Ranger Suarez. I know that Suarez, 
uh, was pitching really well coming into that, and Max Fried kind of happened to get bad up to death, but, I mean, like, are you telling me that those are fair matchups? You yeah. You know, looking at it, like, in a vacuum? And and looking at it, like, you would think that the the single game where the, where the buy hangover would take uh, the most effect would be game one, but three out of the four home teams won game one, and the Braves were only lost by one. Yeah, and they and they got babbitt. Yeah, like yeah. go look at the runs that the Phillies scored. Yeah, in that first, especially in those first few innings. Right. I mean, yeah. So yeah, I think that narrative, you know, is dumb. It's it's also such a small sample size to be making that kind of judgment. Yeah, and I was like, I was thinking like, oh, there could be a thing, but I can't just go on a staunch thing and be like, oh, clearly we got to reverse it now. No. Like, this, oh, this after one of the best postseason weeks we've had ever, it's like we got to change this. Yeah, like, this is so good for baseball. Like people are saying it's bad for baseball because the best teams aren't playing, but it's good in that the best teams aren't guaranteed shit. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I think uh, yeah, you mentioned like remember how mad basketball fans were when the finals was the same four years in a row. Yeah. I mean, with with. Dodgers Braves NLCS that would have been the third time in a row they faced each other in the LCS and mm-hmm. fourth time in five years facing each other in the playoffs like you know I, I would have enjoyed the matchup but Philly or yeah Philly's Padres, Philly's Padres is fun man it's just fun. it's so fun yeah and it's cool that one of them is going to the World Series like I think for most fans it gives some you know, them an easy team to root for yeah you know because it's, it's easy for people to say I'm tired of the Dodgers I'm tired of the Braves People are probably saying that with the Astros, and people could be saying it with the Yankees if they win tonight against the Guardians. But, like, Phillies Padres, I think that's something that a lot of people can get behind. Yeah. You know, Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler on one side, Juan Soto again, uh, Manny Machado, Josh Hader, Yu Darvish, uh, Blake Snell on another. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's fun. Like, uh, so I know I would love to see you Darvish win one. Like, yeah, that, would be that good. man has gotten the short end of the stick a lot. Like he was two, he was one out away from a perfect game, one out away from a no hitter. Uh, he you know lost Game Seven of a World Series and uh, is never it will never be forgiven by the fan base he was representing at the time. Yeah, like that guy deserves to have something go right for him. Yeah, that that would be nice. And I mean, also the the good thing about this is like. One team, there's going to be at least one team who hasn't been to the World Series in over a decade back in the World Series. Yes. Yeah, like, exactly. With like, the, it's completely new. Yeah, with the Dodgers and Braves, and both of those teams have been there and also it in the feels last like, couple years. Yeah, and also it feels like it's two teams that have a window just opening up. Like, I know that the Padres have been in the playoffs before. 2020 doesn't feel real still. Um, right. You know, I know that their championship window... I think a lot would argue open before this year, and that's probably a fair take. But this is the first real chance they've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's and... a lot of people that are you know this is new too. By the way, uh, I, we were speaking about the San Diego crowd. I don't know if you heard the Ha Song Kim chants every time he was yeah. batting. Those were so loud. Yeah, they're big. Yeah, big fans of Ha Song Kim. Yeah, big defense guy for sure. Yeah, they love they love his OAA. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, um, with this Dodgers Padres series. Going back to the Dodgers and their kind of failure, uh, games two through four, which is obviously obviously the games they lost, they were two for twenty six with uh, 
with runners in scoring position, games two through four, they were two for 26 with 10 strikeouts and uh, a 32.3% strikeout rate, which is about 10, 10% above average. And yeah, I mean, that's not something you really expect from uh, a Dodgers lineup like that. Um, game four, I think, was a sneaky must-win for the Padres um, because it would have been it would have gone back to Clevenger versus Arias in at Dodger Stadium for Game Five. They had the five-run seventh when they were down three nothing. Yeah. Um, like that. I don't know. And I also think there was a lot of questionable decision making by Dave Roberts. Mm-hmm. Um, they've already announced that they're gonna they're gonna keep him as the manager next year. So there's really no point in even getting into that. Right. Yeah. Which is crazy. So crazy. It's just, yeah, it's just weird. Like, and it is a weird concept because it's not like Tony La Russa where the team is underperforming in the regular season. No, they season. won 111 games. Like, yeah. Like, of course. So obviously he... In theory, it's weird to fire a manager after winning, like, the most games in playoff history. Yeah. Or in, in, uh, in franchise history. Like, the... It's a weird thing because obviously he's good enough to manage a team to 111 wins. Like what? Tyler Anderson got taken out at 86 pitches. I, I think you could argue he could have gone another. But either way, like, Tommy Canely didn't have it, and going to Yancey Almonte afterwards was just very questionable. Like, Evan Phillips should have been used in a more high-leverage situation. Instead, he pitched a scoreless eighth. Right, which was Which, was, which who cares? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Evan Phillips was, like... I mean, he was perfect in that series. and He literally, the one inning he pitched... Three batters face, three strikeouts. Right. Like, Evan Phillips, I mean, going back to the start of May, had a 0.50 ERA. Like, he was clearly the best guy in that bullpen. So, yeah, it is weird that, you know, there was obviously a high leverage situation in the seventh, and they didn't go to their best guy. Um, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Almonte was good this year. But Evan Phillips is definitely more uh, reliable. There is one big question I have with the Dodgers going into this offseason, and it is, is there a future somewhere else for Cody Bellinger? Right. Which is such a strange question to be asking. You know, if if you asked that question to someone before 2019, or after 2019, they'd be like, uh, hopefully by the end of 2022, he has a lifelong extension. Right. But... He's got, I think, one year left on his contract, maybe two years. Um, oh, he's got two years left on his. He's got one year left on his contract after this yeah, one. Yeah, right. He has one one more year of control, and I I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers traded him somewhere. Yeah, I mean, because I think that's a you know he obviously has not performed for them really since his MVP season in 2019, and I think just given you know he's he is still very young, and given he still has a year. I think that's a guy that a lot of teams would be willing to take a waiver on. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, he's been he's been good for sure uh, mm-hmm. at times, but yeah, in this series particularly, um, he was oh or one for seven, no walks, four strikeouts. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously uh, that hit was a uh, a single, um, no extra base hits. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough, and I mean. When you look at the Dodgers, it's like, are they a worse team without Cody Bellinger? Not really. No, but I mean, they really aren't. No. Like, it, I, I don't know. I don't want to say they're a better team because it really depends on who they replace him with. But given the depth that they have and the people that they could add, yeah, it's certainly possible that. And even like you know who they could trade him for, 
Like, I think he could get they could get some value for him. Yeah, I mean, Cody Bellinger, if if he wasn't on, if he wasn't on the twenty twenty two Dodgers at all, I don't know if the year goes any different. I can tell you right now, we had an F four around one and a half. Yeah, it, you know, and maybe that's like. Maybe they need an extra outfielder. Trace Thompson just kind of came out of nowhere and exactly <laughs> took that role, and now he's now he's there. Um, so yeah, I, and I I can't imagine that the Dodgers don't have some depth in the uh, within the organization to help fill that hole. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, it is weird. I think that's. I think that might be one of the sneaky under the radar things to look at this offseason is a possible Cody Bellinger trade. Yeah, and yeah, I, I mean. Is there anything, anything specifically we can point to to why the Dodgers just keep doing this? Like, I mean, I think there's a lot of decisions. I mean, like I mean, choking in the playoffs. Yeah, it's very, it's very weird. Uh, someone made a thread like where they ranked all the Dodgers thank you fan graphics uh, from 2013 <laughs> on, uh, which was very funny. Like they. They had, I think, the most runs runs scored and the least runs allowed. Yeah. And I think they've done that three years in a row now, or or three full years in a row. It's unprecedented the regular season run that they've had since 2017. Yeah, 100. percent Like year after year, they just put up this. They just put out this god squad that wins mm-hmm. like 105 games, and then come postseason time, it's not the same team. It's 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 odd, and I mean. This is probably the most embarrassing one. You know, I think it was it's either that or 2019, but at least in 2019 they won a second game. The problem was they had a just heartbreaking, like, obvious loss. Yeah, and, and in 2019 the Nationals came into that postseason... Happy to be there. Very, well, they came in very hot. Yeah. They finished that year 74-38, and 38, I mm-hmm. remember exactly. Yes. And... Uh, and I mean, you look if you just look at the roster that the Nationals had in 2019. You know, there's obvious obvious guys that can win them that series with Scherzer, Strasburg, Soto, Soto Rendon. Turner, Rendon. I mean, like there there's obvious guys there. With this, you know, the Padres have literally some of those guys. Yes. With Juan Soto now, but um, you know, maybe Steven Strasburg is a San Diego native, so maybe that counts. True. Yeah. Um. <laughs> they beat Max Serger to get there. Yep. <laughs> so you could consider him a part of the team. Right. <laughs> he gave up four home runs in game one. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anthony Rendon plays in the same state. Right. That's um, true. Um, yeah, then it's all of them. It's all of them. Yeah. Uh, Josh Hader helped the the Nationals get to the Dodgers. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, this, this one kind of stings for the Dodgers. I think with this one it was specifically, like, the timely play. Yeah, because I put I also put in the notes, the Dodgers had a higher OPS than the Padres in the series, higher higher on base percentage and slugging mm-hmm. percentage. It was really just about high leverage situations, but also looking at the numbers, the Padres didn't do great with runners in scoring position either, except for Game Four. Yeah, um, they went four for nine that game. Yeah, but I think Game Three they went like one for ten, mm-hmm. and uh, and Game. Two, it was like two for nine or something like that, uh, but the pot. Yeah, I mean, the, like I'm, I'm kind of looking up and down like the, um, 
the box scores here, like, the Padres didn't get a lot of productions from some of their guys. Like, Juan Soto, 250 average with a 586 OPS. Brandon Drury, 067 average for a 134 OPS. Yeah. Uh, Will Myers, 087 for a 342. The bottom of their lineup really just got it done between, like, Jerks and Profard, Trent Grisham, Austin Nola, Hassan yeah. Kim when he was down there. Yeah, Trent Grisham has been... Literally the Padres' most valuable player of the postseason yes, so far. It's crazy. I think his OPS is over... 1,329. Thir- yeah, it's over 1,300. Um, in this series particularly, um, some guys that you would expect to do well, like a, a, a couple guys did, that you expected to do well did well. Manny Machado had, a, had an 11-13 OPS. Mm-hmm. A couple extra base hits sprinkled in there. Jake Cronenworth was kind of the clutch guy. Yeah. He had a 10-63 OPS. Also 5 RBI. You know, he had the go-ahead hit. In both Game 3 and Game 4. I know in Game 3 it was in the first inning, but it was the go-ahead hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, with runners in scoring position, he was 2 for 3 in those opportunities. And he had a he had a .47 WPA, which led all of the position players in the series. Um, so he was kind of the the clutch guy getting line drive hits yeah. when it mattered most. And um, he got the game-winning hit in Game 4. Yeah, like uh, that, was, that, was a, that was a big one for sure. Um, yeah, pretty crazy how that seventh inning developed. Yeah. Like, Anderson was shutting him down. Canely. Struggling. My, my 2022 Dodgers <laughs> yeah. player to watch. Literally, I, I, I literally said, like, you know, you probably won't recognize him in the regular season, but the postseason, that's when you're going to know who he is. <laughs> it's, uh, to be fair, he was I, good to, with the Yankees that one year he was there too, yeah. though. Like, 2019. And also, you're going to remember Tommy Canely, but not for the right reasons. Yeah. <laughs> with the, I remember him from being from the same area as me. Yep, yep. But yeah, um, there, there was some babippery. However, there were also some hardline drives by Trent Grisham and Juan Soto that led, that, led into that, and Jake Cronenworth had a Hard line drive there as well, so yeah. Um, Padres, uh, yeah, Padres are in this one. Um, gotta love it from a Padres perspective, and we'll preview their series against the Phillies later on. Um, by the way, as we're recording this right now, uh, it's three twenty nine p.m. right before the Yankees Guardians. So, yep. Um, and this will probably be released um, after Game One of the NLCS has concluded, but the way this, well, the way the postseason schedule and our schedule has panned out, it's kind of impossible not to have some over overlap with the recaps and the previews. So, um, that's how it is. But now we can move on to Phillies Braves. Phillies Braves. Um, yeah, I mean the Braves, the Braves after ending the season 78 and 34, um, they lost in four games to the Phillies. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do we get into first here? Um, you know, Max Free did kind of get knocked around. I mentioned there was Babippery, but, um, you know, he was giving up some hard contact that was just finding the holes. If you look at that, uh, that you know, just all the runs that the Phillies scored early, yeah. there was a lot of that. Yeah. Um, looking at game one, yeah, Max Freed had eight hard-hit balls against him and seven line drives against him uh, out of, like, it was 17 or 18 batted balls, so pretty high percentage there. Um, Brave starters as a whole in the series had a 7-9-0 ERA and 13 and two-thirds innings pitched, which is not something you would expect from 
uh, Brave Starters. And with just Freed, Strider, and Morton, it was 12 earned runs allowed in seven and two-thirds innings pitched, which was a 14.09 ERA between Max Freed, Spencer Strider, and Charlie Morton. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of that's kind of what it was really. Is the Phillies were able to just jump on the Braves early, and that's how they won all those. That's that's how they won all three games. They just yep. happened to not do it in game two. <laughs> yep. Um, they did have some moments though, like the the Reese Hoskins bat spike oh was God. fantastic. Bryce Harper homered later in the inning. They just had a lot of moments. The JT Real Muto inside the park home run. Oh yeah, that Acuna just did not hustle for for whatever reason. Yeah, like the ball <laughs> hit off the right field or the center field wall and caromed away from uh, Michael Harris, and Acuna was just standing there. Yeah, not a great look. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, for sure. Like what. What I did underestimate when we were making these predictions was how Citizens Bank Park was going to be. Yeah, first playoff appearance in 10 years there, 11 years there. Yeah, 11 years. They brought it for sure. Even with two day games, they brought it. Yeah, like they were there, they were present the entire game, Mm -hmm. and I mean really helped the Phillies get those those last two games very easily. Like, way Way too easy. Way too easily. Yeah, home field advantage was very real in that series. Yeah. Uh, home team won three out of the four games, as mm-hmm. with Dodgers Padres. Mm-hmm. It was it was so cool though. Yeah. It was very very cool and, to see all that. And I'm I'm I mean, it's really going to be a competition between Phillies and Padres. It like, sucks that one of them has to lose. Yeah. Like, what? Can we just make that the World Series? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we, sorry, Dodger or sorry, Astros, Guardians, Yankees, whoever it will be. Yeah, so the idea gonna make this. that the idea that it's you know as we're recording three thirty three p.m. the idea that we could be seeing a Padres Guardians uh, or even a Phillies Guardians. Yeah, like, but it's just so it's so random. Pa- the Padres were like all of a sudden they just became very relevant. They were so irrelevant, like in twenty sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, some are calling it. The, I saw a tweet. It's the Freddie Galvez series. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's good. Uh, that's a good uh, crossover there. Yeah, um, um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, like, what are some potential like World Series matchups? As in, one player played for both teams. So, like, let's say it's I don't know, uh, Yankees Phillies. That would be uh, David, what David Diego Gregoria series. David Robertson is David with Robertson the... series. He was with both. Well, he is currently with one. Oh yeah, he's. Is he still? Um, is he with the Phillies? Yes. Yeah. He always hurt. He like okay. punched a wall or something. He had one of those like stupid injuries. Always loved that. Yeah. Yeah. Him and who else? Someone else had one of those this year. Um, I don't know. I forgot who it was. It was like <laughs> celebrating, and someone got hurt. I don't know. Well, last year there was there Devin was the Williams. Uh, Devin Williams thing. There was the uh, was it Cody Bellinger in twenty twenty that got hurt like after celebrating yeah, his, hurt his elbow. Game seven. Yeah. Kike Hernandez, though, he was on, he was doing some spy work because yeah. he, he went to the Red Sox the year after. That's true. He was like, I'm going to have to destroy the Dodgers from within. <laughs> We're going to win this World Series, but I will destroy them from within. <laughs> um, yeah, game. so going back to game one, Freed gave up a lot of hard hit balls and a lot of line drives. So I think that's what led to some bippery there. Yeah. Um, the Phillies as a whole... With runners in scoring position, were five for twelve, and they were four mm-hmm. for nine 
with runners in scoring position and two outs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Braves, meanwhile, uh, they left the bases loaded without scoring a run in both the first and third innings. Suarez loaded it up for them, gave them a great opportunity, and they just did not execute in the in those first few innings. No. Like, he had five walks that game. Yeah. It was, it was quite It a was bit. very weird. I, I remember you texted me when it was like 4 nothing Phillies. You're like, guess which one is this FIP and which one is that FIP. Yeah. It was... Suarez had like an 8. Freed had like a one three five. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, extraordinary. Yeah, because Suarez did allow a home run to Darno too. And that was his only run. Mm-hmm. Not, not after he walked five guys, but just that one solo home run. Um... So yeah, and Braves almost came back, uh, but not quite. Couldn't. Maybe in a, maybe if the game was twelve innings, they would have won. Game two, I mark boring and irrelevant. Yeah, I mean we could probably just skip it. I'm sorry, Braves fans. I know that was your one win, but it was yeah. a three nothing game. Kyle Wright pitched well. <laughs> what else do you want me to say? <laughs> just a funny note: the Phillies in that game two slugged one thirty three. With a 401 expected slugging. Yeah, it's tough. They had four barrels, three were flyouts, and one was a long, sing- long single by uh, Gene Segura. Uh, game three, the between Braves and Phillies, it was uh, Spencer Strider was on the hill for the Philly or for the Braves, and you know it was a question of whether he was going to be pitching in the series or not. They announced that he was on the roster like 36 hours before it started. Um, and Spencer Strider looked exactly like Spencer Strider in the first two innings. His average fastball velocity was 98.4 miles per hour. Uh, he faced six batters, didn't allow a base runner. He struck out three, and when they did hit the ball against him, it was an average exit velocity of 77 miles per hour. Um, very, very low. Yeah, you had a note on his uh, fastball velocity yeah, between so, innings. So. First two innings, 98.4 mile per hour average fastball velocity. Go to the third inning, it's down to 96.4 miles per hour. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's the reason that he uh, allowed five earned runs in that uh, in that uh, in that inning, but I mean, there's probably there's probably a little bit of a thing there, and I don't know if it had to do with his injury if it flared up again. But anyway, in that third inning. Uh, his fastball velocity dropped by exactly two miles per hour. He faced six more batters, but this time he allowed three hits, one regular walk, one intentional walk, and the average exit velocity against Strider in that third inning was 104 miles per hour. There was a there was a hard hit double by Bryson Stott. There was a big time home run by Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins that uh, induced the uh, bat spike that Reese Hoskins had. And, uh, and then to end Strider's performance, it was uh, JT Realmuto hitting a 100-mile-per-hour single through the hole. And, um, I mean, with Aaron Nola on the mound, the Phillies just kind of went from there. Uh, yeah, Nola's been lights out this postseason. Yeah. Like, even the... I know there was uh, there was the one thing that happened where uh, Reese Hoskins dropped the easiest double play ball, <laughs> which led to the Braves' only run in that game. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that that like that only happens with Nola on the mound. Yep, a hundred percent. Did you see the play? Like, yes. It was literally. So, I, re- I rewatched the game. Yeah, Segura yeah. Segura threw it right to the chest. Yep. And he started celebrating as he was catching it, and he dropped the ball, and it led to a because yeah, like that play happened. The throw went over, and it was a drop. But I think like 
whoever was producing in the truck was like, all right, cut to Nola walking off the mound. And I think they showed Nola walking off the mound because even though Hoskins <laughs> dropped the ball. Because you don't... You're yeah, it's like, oh, that's the most routine play <laughs> I've ever seen, yeah. It's not like he, it's not like it was a scoop or anything. No, no. like it was 110% a play that Reese Hoskins should have made. Yeah, that was a meme. Luckily, the Phillies won 9-1. Luckily, it ultimately nine to one. <laughs> Um Yeah. Was uh, it, by the way, was it... um. I forget which game it was, but one of the Phillies Braves games ended on a horrible strike three call, but it just did not matter at all. Oh yeah, I, I don't know. It was the, it was game three. It was the nine one game. <laughs> um, like it was nine one, so obviously it did. But like if you go back and watch the last out from that game, it was completely awful. Yeah, I'm probably I mean, just I'm, trying to just trying to get lunch after. Yeah, hold on. Let me let me. I'm gonna find it. Yeah. Um, also in that game, what's notable, Phillies were 4 for 7 with runners in scoring position. Braves were 1, were one for 9. So, I mean, had the uh, things been reversed there, it could have been a lot closer game. Phillies still pro- probably would have won, but the Braves did not execute in the clutch moments. Um, and yeah, game 4 was also a bit of a wash for the Braves. Phillies pitchers in game 4... They faced 31 batters. They struck out 15 of them. That was pretty crazy. 48% strikeout rate from the Phillies pitchers. Uh, with the Brees Hoskins inside the park home run was nuts. Uh, JT Real Muto? Or, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, JT Real Muto. That was, that was nuts. That was when I was like, okay, Phillies can't really blow this. Yeah. Like, Unless they're just setting up for the biggest Philly moment ever. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the greatest things I've ever tweeted was that tweet that I had at the end of the regular season where I said, like, the Phillies are so funny because they absolutely have the talent to get hot at the right time and win the World Series, but they also have to make the playoffs first, <laughs> yeah. which we don't know if they'll do that, and they did, and they're kind of proving that. Yeah, and I mean, they literally finished the year 7-13 and against yep. not great competition either. I think the Cubs yeah, yeah, mixed in this. there. Yeah, that's out of the zone. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, like... Yeah, they have the talent. I mean, and the talent has stepped up. The guys that you want to do good have been mm-hmm. doing good. Bryce Harper's been an animal Bryce this Harper, season. Bryce Harper, uh, overall on the series, has a 15.92 OPS. <laughs> he has 13 90, or his 13 batted balls, 9 hard hit balls. That's crazy. And 5 barrels. That is wild. 5 barrels in 4 games in that series. Um, and then on the flip side, there were some Braves... Uh, offensive players that did not contribute. Austin Riley, most notably, he was one for fifteen with five strikeouts. He had mm-hmm. ten batted balls, but only one batted ball in the sweet spot per in the sweet spot, um, which is usually you'll have like three out of ten. And he had six batted balls with negative launch angles, which um, not the best for Austin Riley there. And yeah, uh, Dansby Swanson also two for sixteen with seven strikeouts in the series. Um, but it wasn't really the offense that the Braves had to blame, but it yeah, didn't really it, help. It was, the starting pitching was definitely the worst thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we need to debrief on them too much. I think Dansby Swanson is absolutely going to be an angel. Right. That just makes too much sense. It would It would be that, yeah, where he just he plays 75 games a year for them and gets about one and a half wins above replacement. Just makes just makes too much sense. Um, all right, then we can move on to 
uh, Astros Mariners. Yeah. We'll talk about um, Guardians Yankees last. We'll also do the previews last. Yeah. We'll do the previews true. after the game. We'll just end on this. Um, this was obviously the only sweep uh, of uh, this round, and it really didn't feel like it. It was the least. It, it had the, the least, least sweep feel. It was the ever. least dominant. <laughs> yeah. Like the Phillies. The Astros, the Astros looked so unimpressive, even though they did not lose a single game. Right. Which is very funny. Um, game one, Justin Verlander obviously got roughed up. He gave up, what, five, six runs, something like that? Six, yeah. Yeah. Two home runs, or was it just one? Um, he gave up a homer to J.P. Crawford that was crushed. I think he only gave up one home run. Okay. Uh, yeah. He gave up ten hits. That was the most he's ever allowed in a postseason game, and he's had 32 of them, 31 starts mm-hmm. mixed in there. Uh, also, in 16 postseason appearances in the StatCast era, Verlander had the highest expected batting average against him uh, by over 100 points, and he also had the highest expected slugging against him. So wow. he didn't he didn't look like himself. He did not look like, yeah, absolutely. Um, so going to the eighth inning, the Astros were trailing 7-3. Yeah. And uh, Andres Munoz came in for the Mariners. He gave up a rope, like a long single, I think it was to Jordan Alvarez. Yeah. It was like just... Uh, hit off that short wall in right field, and then Bregman took him, uh, like past the Crawford boxes, like to the yep. right of it. Home run to make it seven five, and then um, Paul Seawald came in for the ninth, gave up a couple of base runners, one of which was a two out two two out two strike single on a slider that got a little too much play to Jamie Pena, which brought in Robbie Ray, who I said. Before I wasn't kidding when I said Robbie Ray should be left off the playoff roster, <laughs> and I. I feel very good about that take. Yeah. <laughs> Especially after seeing everyone on the Astros staff except for Ray face Jordan Alvarez in Game 3. Yeah. feel great saying that Robbie Ray should not have seen the field in that entire series. Right. <laughs> and he gave up a three-run home run to Jordan Alvarez. It was absolutely crushed. What was it, 439 feet off the bat? Um, 438, 439. That was, was 438 feet, yes. It was hit 116.7 miles per hour. Yeah, if... If he had a little more launch, it could have gone like 480. <laughs> it absolutely could have. It was. It was the second pitch too, and the first one should have been crushed as well. He fouled it off. Yeah. Um, Jordan had himself a series. I think that one kind of goes without saying. Yeah, no doubt about. It. Especially in the first two games. I mean, literally, you know, talk about carrying the team. That's exact. That's pretty much what Jordan did in the first two games. Um, yeah. At the Astros in the eighth and ninth inning, you know they started down seven to three and they ended up winning eight to seven. They had seven batted balls, six of which were hard hit and three of which were barrels, which is very high rate there. (laughs) Um, And two of those barrels came off the bat of Jordan Alvarez. Dude, as soon as that left the bat, I was like, oh my god! Like I didn't even think about holy crap, the Astros are winning. I was like, how far is that going? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like, all of a sudden, like, it's a walk-off home run, but the Astros fans are completely silent, just, like, it's like, looking. oh, my God, where is that going? <laughs> oh, shoot, we just won. What? <laughs> like, it didn't even occur to me that the Astros won until it landed. Like, my mind was just, how far did he just hit that? <laughs> yeah, it was, man, that was asking to be hit, too. Yeah, like, I, Matthew Boyd was in the bullpen for the Mariners. I would have thrown him out there instead of Robbie Ray. Like, I touched on before the series how horrible Robbie Ray was against the Astros all year. 
Uh, opponents had a 14-23 OPS against him. Yep. That is better than 2004 Barry Bonds. <laughs> I told a friend of mine, one of our friend, one of our roommates who was watching Game 3 with me when he was warming up, I was like, when he comes into this game, you need to imagine every hitter is 2004 Barry Bonds <laughs> because that's how it's been. Yep. <laughs> that's cr- it's it's literally crazy what and how bad he was. Yeah, dude, I saw that. As soon as I saw him coming into this game, I was like, Jordan is going to hit 1450. <laughs> he didn't quite do that, but he yeah, he might as well have done so. Yeah, Jordan Alvarez, he was extremely impressive and um yeah, on in game 1 specifically, he was 3 for 5 with 5 RBI. He also like when the um Astros were down for nothing, he had a two-run double. So, mm-hmm. he added that. He had a had that long single, he ended up scoring on the Bregman home run yeah. and then the three-run home run. That resulted in him having a 1.05 win probability added on the day, which is the most ever in a postseason game, which is uh, pretty unbelievable. It, it, pa- it passed uh, David Freeze Game 6, 2011. Makes sense. Which is hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Hard to do. Yeah, I think he had like .91 like just on that one swing. Yep, yep. He did. I think so. Yeah, so it's at a 9% chance of winning, and they went to 100% chance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, win probability added does not factor in Robbie Ray on the mound against yeah, the Astros. Yeah, you Jordan Alvarez. <laughs> it's like it should have been... It's like it should have been 57%. Yeah. <laughs> the Astros were favored. Yeah. Um, <laughs> With two outs. Then game two, yeah, Jordan does the same thing. He hits a two-run home run off Luis Castillo on a ball off the plate. Yeah. Um, and uh, just hits it and flicks it in the Crawford boxes, basically. And, uh, you know, the Mariners, um, I guess the criti- critique you could have on them is they left a lot of guys on base. They had nine men left on base in game two. Uh, they they walked seven times, but only one of those walks scored, which is, you know, that's something you want to take advantage of, and they couldn't do it. Um, yeah, any, any thoughts on game two? Um, I mean, yeah, Luis Castillo gave up two bombs. We Like you said, the Jordan one was off the plate. The Mariners didn't do it with runners in scoring position. You, you mentioned the nine left on base, seven walks, and only one scored. Um, yeah. I wasn't able to watch that one too much because it was a Thursday, and my Thursdays are just... Yeah. I don't have any other time, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I did. I was watching the beginning of it, and that it, it's weird because the, the Mariners were up two to one. But it still felt like the Astros had it most of the way. Right, yeah. It, that makes sense. Game three, do you want to get into that? Yeah, I watched every second of that one. <laughs> um, Jose Altuve had such... I think he had the worst win probability added ever in a postseason game. That would make by a sense. position player. He went 0 for 8 uh, with five strikeouts, I believe. That's pretty unbelievable. And he... Well, he, he came up in the most, like, big situations. Like, he, I think he was the final out of the Mariners getting out of two jams. One of them was the the one that Matt Brash had where he threw yep. three straight sliders outside that Altuve swung, up, swung at all of and missed. Yeah. Uh, I saw a stat that the uh, Mariners threw Altuve 17 pitches out of the zone, and he swung at 14 of them, <laughs> which is dreadful. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, it was an 18-inning marathon. It felt like... It's weird because it felt very different 
from Guardians Rays, but it also felt very similar towards the end, where it was like, are any of these teams going to score? Yeah. Because it's weird with, with with Guardians Rays, it's like who on this offense is capable of of stringing together hits and driving in runs? Right. Obviously, we've seen it with the Guardians in this Yankees series, but it really didn't feel that way. Yeah. Mariners Astros. Any part of the order that came up, it was like this part of it could do it. Yeah. But that's they just true. didn't. Yeah. They um, didn't. Julio made a terrific catch, and I think the seventeenth. Um, that saved a run. Yeah. Uh, and obviously in the 18th, it was Jeremy Pena um, off of Penn Murphy in his third inning of work. Yeah, yeah. And all that was left all that was left in that bullpen was Robbie Gray. Yeah, who actually did well in that game to his yeah. credit. Um, but yeah, they, they brought out a reliever for three innings before they brought out Robbie Ray, and I don't even blame them. Like, yeah. If, I mean, if they're going to blame anyone for that game, it's the Mariners' offense for not scoring in 17 innings. Yeah. I mean, the teams combined, the teams combined uh, were 0 for 19 with runners in scoring position. With, with nine strikeouts. With nine strikeouts. And the teams overall, like with or without runners in scoring position, combined for a 31.6% strikeout rate on the day. Yeah, there's really not much else to say in that game. I mean, yeah. it's, it's hard when it's a one nothing game. Um, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, and then you go to the overall takeaways. Um, I mean, you know, the Mariners, they got out to a really hot start in the series. They did. First it, felt, it felt like they were finding their way to the ALCS, and they just weren't. And, uh, yeah, I mean, in their final 29 innings... They scored two runs. Yeah. Um, the um, the T-Mobile Park was was going crazy though. Like, yeah. They had, I mean, they had a lot to cheer about on pitching. You know, getting out of those jams, but they obviously didn't see a run scored. Um, but that place was just as full and just as on their feet in inning eighteen as they were in inning one, which is pretty cool. Which yeah. It makes sense. I mean, you wait twenty one years for a playoff game, you're gonna, you know, not take a second of it for granted, and they got many seconds of it, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was... Obviously, it's only one game, and they lost. It was very noticeable. (laughs) It it was weird, because I also kind of just kept forgetting, like, oh, wait, the Mariners are playing for their season. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I weirdly kept forgetting about that. Well, because it's like, oh, you know, it's their first time in T-Mobile Park, and whatever. Yeah, it's the the Electric Factory, and... Oh, wait, like... You know, like when I got, when it got to the fifteenth, and yeah, like it, it for a while, it just felt like the Astros went down like twelve in a row or something like that. And it got to a point where I just wasn't even thinking about the idea of the Astros scoring, and it was like, when are the Mariners going to come through? Because they had a lot, they had a lot of chances late in the game. Yeah. Um, and it just didn't. But I was like, oh wait, like if the Astros score, like the Mariners, like could be done, done. Yeah. Yeah. And they ended up uh, being that way. However, you know. I'm I'm pretty confident the Mariners are gonna get back, and probably be better. There is nobody in the crowd at Yankee Stadium right now. <laughs> like I wouldn't even say it's half full. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, the game is the game starts in ten minutes. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a, it's almost a factor because like it is a very much a factor. Day Day Bronx just does not hit as much as Night Bronx. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, if it's if that's going to be the crowd, I'm assuming it'll probably fill up more as the game goes on, you know, no if doubt. people get out of work at five. Yeah. Um, it'll probably fill up, but, I mean, Aaron Savali versus Nestor Cortez is also such a weird yes. uh, game five matchup. <laughs> but, I mean, the Guardians are definitely going to want to pounce early, you know, if, if the crowd is not going to be that much on the Yankees' side. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. 
Um, It'd be very funny if, like, ah, I just so wish they played last night, man, and it really went until, like, 2 in the morning. <laughs> it would have been something else. <laughs> like, I think about uh, the Jared Walsh Grand Slam from la- from 2021 at, like, 3 in the morning. Like, I was watching yeah. that as it was happening. <laughs> it was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I just The idea of that happening in a winner-take-all playoff game would have been yeah. so sick. <laughs> Like, a quarter full Bronx. Like, Miles Straw at 2 in the morning gets his first homer of the year. <laughs> Nobody knows that it ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like um, election results almost. It's yeah. like, oh, you wait. Oh, wow. Oh, they, oh, they oh. won. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's, oh, a lot of more votes coming in in Wisconsin. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Did that really happen? <laughs> um, yeah. So, we'll, we will get into... Guardians Yankees after they play their game five, which for us will be a few hours, but for the audience will be a few minutes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the uh, and last note I'll say on uh, Mariners Astros is Astros bullpen absolutely came to pitch. Um, twenty and third innings pitch, one run, twenty three strikeouts and five walks from the Astros bullpen throughout the series. Mm-hmm. Um. That's a mix of, you know, Ryan Presley, Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, um, and a bunch of other guys. They all came all came to pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, anything before nope. Guardians-Yankees? Let's, uh, let's see some baseball. Yeah. Let me find this video. So we are back and talking about Yankees-Guardians. The Yankees uh, ended up winning... The series in five games. Uh, what are your, what are your takeaways right now? I have a lot of takeaways from this series. I mean, like I said, Yankees in three. Not only did I say that, but I said that the Guardians would not end a single inning with a lead. And mm. I still feel like I stand by having that prediction at the beginning of the series, even though the Guardians did in fact win two games. Because you know what? Like the Yankees probably should have swept this series. Yeah, like they should have won. They should have won all five games. Yeah, it was, it was easy for us to like a five game sweep. After, it was easy for us after the first three games where you know the Guardians were up two one to be like, wow, really underestimated the Guardians. I didn't. I didn't but even then, feel that way. I still didn't. I'm gonna be completely honest. But then we then you watched game four and game five, and you're like, yeah, no. I don't feel regretful about. Yeah, no. Like games, games four and five was how I pictured the series, the entire series to go. Yeah, exactly. In um, game five, some managerial questions, but whatever. I mean, I still don't think it really out deter like changes the outcome that much. Right. Maybe a little bit, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Guardians. I mean, uh, yeah, going back to the start of it, I'd say yeah. I mean, game one. You don't really have to talk about too much. It was just... What was the... Uh, I wonder what the Guardians' BABIP on soft hit balls was this series. We can't we can't see it for Game 5, but I would like to see it for Games 1 through 4. I can check it out. Well, I know in Game 3, they were 7 for 11 on batted balls of 80 mile per hour exit velocity. That's, that's exactly what I was going to search, because <laughs> the, the threshold for a soft hit ball is 80 miles an hour. Yeah, I mean, they... Um, uh, so what game day the series the series started on the twelfth uh, or 11. the thirteenth? No, the eleventh was a Sunday. It was on Tuesday. I think. Oh, oh you, I was looking at September. You were looking at September. Yeah. yeah. So 
classic mistake. Classic. Yeah, right. It started on the 11th. Yeah. Uh, so I'm only going to get to see games one through four. But whatever. Yeah. All right. Babip. On batted balls with an exit velocity below 80 miles an hour. 80 or below. Um. For the Guardians, it was 325. Yeah. The league average was 241. Uh, that feels that feels just about right. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, the Astros also had a 333, but that was on far less, uh, less bad balls. Yeah. Well. Um. Yeah. Talking about the Guardians and their soft hit balls. Uh. Yeah. Like. Um, it was it was very prevalent. It was prevalent in the uh, in the tenth inning of game two. Yeah, in game three, they had seven batted balls, seven hits that were with an exit velocity of eighty miles per hour or less. That's the most the most uh, most uh, hits by a team uh, of with. Most hits by a team in the Statcast era in postseason history. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back, you know, this is the this is the eighth postseason in the Statcast era, and this was the most most hits with uh, exit velocities of eighty miles per hour or lower in a single game. That was Game Three, and that's where you know the Guardians had fifteen hits. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing also that I noted, uh, I didn't note it on the podcast, but I think I told you. Um, going into game five, these numbers aren't updated, but from games one through four, uh, 7.7% of pitches that the Guardians threw uh, to the Yankees were in game day zone five, which means they were right down the middle. Like, they were middle-middle on the plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Yankees slugged 11.67 on said pitches. Uh, yeah. If you go back and look at a lot of the runs the Yankees scored in this series, obviously a lot of them were via home run in general, but... A lot of the runs you look at, and it's pitches right down the middle. Um, let's see, they hit one, two, three, four. They hit four home runs in that zone uh, before today. I think judges might have clipped it. The judge home run today may have clipped it. It was probably it'll probably get credited for game day zone two. Um, but a lot of mistakes in location by the Guardians, and the Yankees were making them pay. Credit to them. Uh, just to note, the the seven point seven percent of pitches in that zone uh, ranked the highest among the teams in the division series. Yeah, yeah. Um, of, uh, the Yankees, the, ironically, were the second highest, and the Guardians slugged 929 against it, which is very good, but uh, a lot of that was like singles-doubles. They only had one home run on, on pitches in that zone, and it was Stephen Kwan in Game 1. Yep. Um, yeah. The Yankees threw 45 pitches there. Yeah, the Guardians threw only 43, but they threw less pitches. Right. Um. Yeah, with the series, yeah, it it, it was it was weird because the Guardians like the games they won. You know, definitely game three they shouldn't have won. Game two, you could argue. I mean, the Yankees in game two were zero for seven uh, with runners in scoring position. Um, but I mean, there there are definitely some people you can shout out for the Guardians series. You know, Oscar Gonzalez, Stephen Kwan, for sure. Stephen Kwan is really most of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, the Guardians' bullpen was great the whole series, just about. Mm-hmm. Like, I find it so hard to root for the Guardians because a lot of their team just felt so hopeless at the plate there. Like, 
the thing that really got us tonight uh, was at the end of the game where I think it was Luke Maley, like uh, reached on a base hit. And then Bob Cousins goes, well, if Miles Straw can reach here, and we, you and I burst out laughing hearing that. <laughs> it was, because it was just such a... Yeah, like, anytime the Guardians, like, their 6-7 hitters, like, got on base, it's like, oh, let's see if they can get something going here. Oh, wait, it's it's Austin Hedges and Miles Straw before the top of the lineup. Yeah. Like, how am I supposed to, uh, how am I supposed to feel like anything's going to come from that? Right. Yeah. It's, it, it just feels. It so felt hopeless. silly. Yeah, it, it the idea hopeless. of a lineup with those two going to the ALCS just wouldn't have been right. Like the the correct team won here. I think yeah. I think that's the that's their take to come the, away the, with. The better team won. The better team won. The team that actually deserved to win won. And the Yankees didn't even play that well. I like. N- yeah, no. They they should have they should have swept the series. Like they shouldn't have lost game two. They shouldn't have lost game three. We can get into those if we want. Yeah, Boone, like Boone did not manage a good series, but Francona did also did not. No, it was like really they were fighting to be the worst manager in that series. Yeah, like Francona didn't start Bieber today. He, like, kept. I mean, it's weird. To, it's weird to say that he kept Aaron Savali out there too long <laughs> when he only faced four batters. But honestly, he should have faced three. Yeah, like I straight up would have been like, oh, you, you got two guys on. Nah. Yeah. See ya. Right, a hundred percent. Yeah, like, um, and like, I've, honestly, like, you know, the Guardians only scored one run, so you could kind of point to the idea that oh, like, it would it wouldn't have mattered who they started, but being down three nothing, I think, really just deflated them for the rest of the game. Absolutely, because yeah, it just seems like a big hill to climb mm-hmm. at that point. Um, yeah, you know, Guardians also overall, uh, you know. <laughs> One of the things we talked about was, like, part of us does want the Yankees to win so that we could cool down this uh, contact-hitting narrative that the Guardians have it, and, like, the, oh, that's how you win ball games. My yeah. dad my dad actually texted me today, and he was like, you know, Cleveland won a lot of games considering their payroll. I was like, that's true. Can you imagine how many more they would have won if they had, I don't know, like a $30 million a year higher payroll? Yeah, right. Like, it's... It's frustrating. Like any any team that like has a slow payroll and does well always gets praised for like doing it the right way or whatever, and that's such BS. Like why like are you telling me that your team would like as a like if you're a Guardians fan, would you pass up an opportunity to be a fan of a team like the Dodgers? Like, like, I say that in a sense like what if the Guardians ran like the Dodgers? You would rather that. You would rather have that. You absolutely would. Yeah, I'd rather have them spend on every single big money free agent, and have them bring out a lineup that has 111 wins. Obviously, you know, obviously it didn't end well for them, but I don't think that's a Andrew Friedman problem, even though he'd like to say it is. Yeah, because he's such a nice guy and in, in taking the blame, even though he absolutely had nothing to do with it. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that. Yeah. Like, I don't think they should be praised for doing it the right way but i think there is a thing of like okay the guardian like this is impressive yeah of like okay francona's managing obviously managing this team well and the gm's doing well obviously the owner sucks and should be spending more but 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 you know that's not that's not up to anybody except for the owner which Mm -hmm. sucks uh because it just means everyone else in the organization is doing their job and i'm not even saying like hey please go out and pay aaron judge this offseason like, I understand that that's not a smart move for a lot of different owners, but, like, 
I don't know, do something. Like, right. what about a guy like Mark Hanna? Like, why couldn't you have signed him this offseason? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. why couldn't you have signed, like, I don't know, a Starling Marte? Yeah. That would have been perfect for that Cleveland team. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or, like, um, yeah, just, like, like Alex Cobb. Yeah. Like, the. I mean, I don't even think they would have needed him. Like, the Guardians were a bad away in this series, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, Jose Ramirez, obviously, you expect to be that guy. He really wasn't this series. Like, he wasn't really driving the ball. A lot of his hits were bloops that landed in, like, left field. Yeah. Um, You know, like, there was never a person that where that came up, and I was like, oh, this is a guy that, you know, the Yankees need to be careful with. Like, every guy felt like, okay, yeah, there's a way to pitch to him and get him out. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, every championship team has that guy where you're like, you don't want to mess with this guy. You yeah. know, every team... Every team that remains in the postseason has that guy. With the Phillies, it's Bryce Harper. With the with the Padres, it's Juan Soto. With the Yankees, it's Aaron Judge. With the Astros, it's Jordan Alvarez. Like none of those guys you want to mess with. And yeah. you gotta like. There's no point where you walk that guy and you're like, you know what? That was horrible. We should never have done that. Right. Yeah. And yeah. The, the Guardians just don't have that guy. They just like yeah. Jose Ramirez just wasn't that guy in this series. He could have been, and he wasn't. Yeah. Um. Yeah, shout out to the Guardians tweet on October 15th. It was after game two. Yeah. They said, there are a lot of people on the national stage who are seeing our brand of baseball for the first time. We All make, of them are under 18. We make contact. We run the bases hard. We do the little things. We don't care if you don't like it. Uh, to that I say, you scored uh, You scored 13 divided by 5. You scored 2.6 runs per game in the series. Yeah. Um, you know... Uh, you know, and part of that, and part of it feels like I shouldn't even have scored that much. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. that's very true. Like I'll credit their pitching; their pitching was very good, and for the most part, they did well. Like Bieber was solid, Quantrill was decent. You yeah. know, obviously a couple mistakes here and there, but like, you know, there, you never felt like how Quantrill took them out of a game. Uh, no, yeah. Tristan McKenzie was okay. He wasn't. He wasn't quite himself, but you know, I mean, they won that game. But it's also not like he just completely took him out of it. Yeah. So I mean, this this is kind of what we expected, and I think when I was talking about the series, I was like, I don't think the Yankees are gonna necessarily blow them out every game. But I saw, you know, they they won their games four to one, four mm-hmm. to two, and five to one. That's kind of what I was expecting, and I mean. You know, that's that's what happened in the games that they won. It was also very satisfying seeing that. I think the stat was they scored 16 of their 21 runs during the series on home runs. Yeah. That feels so just... Like, it just feels like it's perfect. Yeah. It's a perfect example of, hey, here's a team that exclusively relies on contact and happen to have a very good series with it. Here's a team that exclusively hits for power and doesn't do anything else. Guess who won? Yeah. Yeah, very true. Very true. And, you know... I mean, yeah, Sl- slugging definitely has a higher association. And like, with there's yeah, than there's it's not like there's no place for small ball, but it can't be your whole lineup. Right. It cannot be. It cannot be the one through nine hitters. Yeah. No. You got to have some two 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 guys in there somewhere. Yeah. Exactly. Like, like Fran Mill Reyes. I know that, that he guy. Would, yeah, he, he didn't perform well this year. He was very bad. Yeah. He was very bad all year. Um. So, yeah, they've kind of relied on, yeah. Josh Naylor, who, I mean, I guess that was another storyline in the series. Yeah, yeah, I mean. 
I it think was, like, it was silly. The thing that I so one of the things I just hate about baseball, like fandom and media coverage, is anytime a guy does any sort of celebration, it gets so blown out of proportion. Like, who cares? He he hit a home run and he celebrated it. Why does it have to be this big thing? Right. Yeah. And, then and now, like, and it happens every single time a guy does something. Every single time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess in this case, it was more necessarily personal toward Cole. But like, but not, I don't even think. Not in an inappropriate but I don't even way. think Garrett Cole took it that personally. Yeah. Like he had like his his quote at the after the at the press conference when he was asked about it, he goes, "Yeah, whatever, cute." Like right. that's to me that doesn't seem like I was offended. It's like, yeah, whatever, he did it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. And obviously, Garrett Cole got the last laugh. He pitched very well in that game. Uh, he got Naylor out every other time he faced him. Like, whatever. Like, it's something mm-hmm. that it's just like, you move on. And the Yankees, you know, they threw it back at him, and that's fine. But, like, I don't know. I just hate that every single time a guy celebrates something, it has to be this big storyline where it's like, he did this, and it angered them. Like, right. it's like, just let people celebrate. Like, why does it have to be this huge thing? Yeah, I, I get that aspect. It was blown a little bit out of pr- proportion. But I do get it because... Naylor was very aggressive and, you know, yeah. was like, you're my expletive son, <laughs> which is, you know, you just don't see that on the baseball field that often, so I get why it gets some coverage. It's still just frustrating. Like, I like I have no problem with the Yankees throwing it back at him. Like, yeah. they earned the right to do so because they won. Like, they should be able to do that. Yeah. And it should just be that. It's, it's like, just, oh, Naylor did this, the Yankees did that, that's it. it yeah, it's just kind of a fun thing. Yeah, exactly. Um... And you know, fan you know, fans get involved. That you know, that's that can be fun too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's just you know, just guys having fun on the field. You know, that's what we're talking. That's what we're here for. Um, anything, anything uh, more you want to get into on this Guardians Yankees um, series? I mean, we didn't even talk about Game Three. I feel like that should be noted because that was yeah. interesting. Like Aaron Boone not going to Clay Holmes when he said he was available and expected to pitch in that situation. Um, the Guardians scored, what, three runs in that ninth inning to come back and walk off with a win, which ended up being their final win of the season. Um, it just, I, like, Boone said he would only use uh, Holmes in emergency situations, <laughs> which, to be fair, they weren't facing elimination, so technically not an emergency. Yeah. I'd really want to believe that's Aaron Boone's uh, definition of an emergency. <laughs> um, it's like, must-win games are elimination games. Yep. That's, That's it. it. <laughs> Nothing else. So we can we can afford to lose this game and still you know still eventually advance. Fine by me. <laughs> It'll be funny if uh, like the Yankees are down 2-0 in the ALCS and they they encounter a similar situation and they're like, yeah, we can lose one more. <laughs> Whatever. Well, we've we've seen it done against us. The 3-0 comeback. We can do it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We've yeah. seen this Astros team almost do it. Not worse. Worth risking the health of one of our one of our yeah, pitchers. Yeah, Clay Holmes pitched yesterday. Yeah, come on now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Laughs. Laughs in twenty sixteen. Andrew Miller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, that was a funny game. Uh, Yankees. That was one the Yankees should have definitely won. And they should have won game two. Like the Yankees scored. They had a two run home run in the first inning, and they never scored again. Yeah. The, like they should have done more against the Guardians there. Whatever. The stats on Game Three um, were funny. I, I I did mention that in Game Three of that series, the Guardians were seven for eleven on balls with a with an eighty mile per hour exit velocity or less. 
um, which is absurd. That's how you score six runs in a game, baby. Yeah, that's how you do it. Um, also, uh, they were nine for seventeen with runners in scoring position. That's crazy. Um, on how do you get nine hits with runners in scoring position and only score six runs in the game? Um, yeah, that's a good question. That is insane. <laughs> it's just like infield singles with a guy on second. Literally, that must have been at least three of them. Right. Yeah. Had to be five because the Gonzalez hit that walked it off scored two. Yeah, and um, and yeah, like uh, Guardians were fifteen for thirty-one on balls in play throughout the game, which is a four eighty-four BABIP. Yeah, that's dumb. And then with runners in scoring position, they had they had a nine for fourteen on balls in play, which yeah. is like uh. If I get the exact number, it's like six something. Um, yeah, six six forty three uh, Babbitt with runners in scoring position uh, in game three from the Guardians. And yeah, I mean, just looking at the final inning, um, uh, the Guardians. Uh, it starts with a well. It starts with a flyout. Then Miles Straw hits a double. With a with an exit velocity of sixty seven point one miles per hour, uh, then Stephen Kwan hits, a, you know, it's a legit line drive. It always lands, but it's seventy three point one miles per hour off the bat. Yeah. Um, Ahmed Rosario hits a legit rope, one hundred one point yeah. five mile per hour single, but then Jose Ramirez hits a hits a uh, single with an exit velocity of fifty six point nine miles per hour. I do wonder if this Guardians team is only going to get better at this with the shift not being allowed. Like the like one of the hardest hit balls they had all of today was Josh Naylor roping a ball up the middle that went right to his Waldo Cabrera. Yeah. Like I wonder if that's a hit in a different year. Yeah, and I mean you know I I think there's some reason to believe it. Obviously they're good at getting contact and avoiding strikeouts. So yeah. If they can avoid strikeouts, they probably have somewhat decent bat control and maybe can find holes better than than you know your average MLB hitter. Yeah. But also, part of me feels that the White Sox will be back next year and all of that will be irrelevant. Uh, yeah. Like, especially sure. if they go with a guy like Joe Espada as their manager. I know that's someone they've been looking at. Yeah, he's been he's been on He's been on so many for, radars for so many years. Yeah. Well, I think, well, he was the bench coach for, like, the 2019 Astros, right? Yeah. So then the scandal happened, and then I think that delayed his... Yeah, yeah. That delayed. Yeah, he was like absolutely gonna get a job before the 2020 season, and then, and then that whole thing happened. And I was like, nope. Well, because <laughs> after Alex Cora, everyone was like, I need to get the next best bench coach from the Astros. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was like, oh, that worked. Oh wait. Yeah. Oh wait. No. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not now. <laughs> yeah. You're telling me that the guy that was in Alex Cora's position is now looking to be in the position that Alex Cora is in? Uh, yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, um, very funny situation. Terry there. Francona is like, you know, as respected a manager he is, he really did not do a good job this series with a lot of things. Like in game one, uh, he put Oscar Gonzalez in right field and had uh, Will, I think it was either, it was I think it was Will Brennan, and they had MDH. Will Brennan is much better defensively, and Oscar Gonzalez booted a ball in the outfield, which allowed for another run to score. Um, mm-hmm. There was that. Of course, there was the Aaron Savali thing, which... I, th- I think everyone could have predicted was a mistake. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, the fact that the Yankees were like, oh, sweet, a rain out, we can go with our game two starter. And the the Guardians were like, nah, we're good with Aaron Savali. Yeah. Like, that's, that's bad. I, I have to think that, like, I can't imagine Francona didn't ask 
Bieber about starting. Like, I feel yeah. I mean, if you, if but you, I feel like he, he al- denied it. But I feel like he also would have been asked post game, "Hey, was there any reason you couldn't go today?" And he either would have said no to that, and that would have been a story, or he would have said yes, and it's, "Hey, by the way, this is why Bieber didn't pitch." Yeah. I feel like if there was any sort of reason Bieber couldn't pitch, we would have known by now. Yeah, because it, it is... Because uh, Francona also said he'd be available out of the bullpen in a late situation. So, which, okay. As, which assumes high leverage, which, yeah. assumes out, which assumes outs you absolutely need to get. Also, it is funny how it worked out where um, the bullpen went seven two-thirds innings, and it's like, and and they allowed only two runs, and, it, and then you just think, oh, this probably just could have been a bullpen game and they could have been in the game the whole time because mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean it was henches uh karen check stefan Klasse, um and maybe another person who did pretty well the whole game and yeah i'm i mean kept it from being a blowout mm-hmm. so makes you think a little bit on about that um all right uh do you want to preview the uh, the series? Yeah, let's do the NLCS now that it's currently going on. Yeah, as we're um, podcasting right now, it the, is the eighth inning. It's the top of the eighth. We got Kyle Schwarber up, who hit a four hundred eighty foot, eighty eight foot home run uh, yeah. the last time up. Pretty wild. Um, the Phillies are up two nothing. So our predictions for the series are kind of gonna. Uh, way on this game. <laughs> I, I just want to say I made a prediction in my head before this game. Okay. So I'd like to get that out on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it doesn't sound like I'm being influenced by this game. I'm sure people won't believe that, but that's fine. Right, yeah. I I didn't even think of one, so I guess I, guess I uh, what is it? A, uh, a no contest from me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not going towards my record. All bets are off. <laughs> um, but I will make a prediction of how the next, however many three to six games will go. Yeah. Um, but uh, when talking about Padres Phillies, Phillies won the season series four to three. They outscored the Padres twenty one to fifteen. Those series happened in mid May and late June. Um, both teams struggled offensively, or both teams had great pitching. Either way, Padres had a five oh five OPS against the Phillies this year. Phillies had a 589 OPS against the Padres. Uh, Aaron Nola sliced and diced him. Is this Zach Wheeler's line from tonight, or was it his line from this year? <laughs> um, Aaron Nola sliced and diced the Padres in a in one start. Seven innings, one run, ten strikeouts, two walks. Zach Wheeler um, seemed to be doing exactly what uh, he's doing now in the regular season. Zach Wheeler... Uh, in the regular season against the Padres, had seven scoreless innings with nine strikeouts and no walks. And now I think he has seven scoreless innings. I don't know how many strikeouts and walks, but uh, I know he has at least one walk, so not exactly. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Darvish against the Phillies uh, in the regular season uh, went 14 innings, allowed four earned runs uh, with 14 strikeouts and one walk. 208 ERA there. Um, Musgrove... Uh, Struggled in his one start against the Phillies. He allowed six earned runs in six innings and only struck out one batter while allowing two home runs. Um, what do you think about what, what are your what are your expectations from the series? I just saw. I mean, like 
this is obviously a very fun series. It's going to be for a lot of fans, and I think my biggest hope is that it goes seven. Yes. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a fun one to see. I'm very interested to see how home field plays because both crowds were absolutely rowdy last round. Uh, although the Phillies don't seem to be too phased by that as of currently. Yeah. Uh, but it is still the eighth inning, and the Padres could very much come back as they've done before. Um, I'm excited to see like Juan Soto versus Bryce Harper. I think that's an untalked about storyline. You know, they were yeah. both Nationals teammates. A lot of people saw Soto as a replacement for Harper. I feel bad for Nationals fans having to watch this series. Yeah. They might be the only, like, third-party fan base rooting for the American League <laughs> in the World Series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, pitching matchups are going to be fun. Wheeler versus Darvish was solid tonight. I think Nola... Obviously, there's the uh, Aaron versus Austin Nola storyline. Yeah, that's, that's... That's cool. That's a fun... It's cool that one of them is going to be playing in the World Series. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm very excited for both of these fan bases. Um, I think that they deserve it, both of them. Right, right. Um, yeah, th- I think this is going to be interesting. I think with all the pitching matchups, you know, I don't think it's really one-sided in any stretch. Uh, luckily for for both teams, they were able to get it done in four and not really sacrifice yeah, uh, their pitching. rotation. So they have their one starters going in game one, their two in game two, and so on and so forth. So it puts them in a good in a good situation. Is game themselves. four going to be Clevenger versus Syndergaard? Yeah, that's going to be has, so weird. It has to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it was twenty seventeen, this would be game one. Oh my! <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's going to be weird. It's going to be fun. <laughs> um, yeah, who knows? Um, yeah, I think these teams, these teams are like kind of similar to each other in that like. They're pretty star-studded, mm-hmm. but there are some definitely weak spots that are easily identifiable, and they have bullpens that were not good in the regular season but are kind of doing good now. Yeah. Um, Sir Anthony Dominguez has entered the game. He's been absolutely lights out this postseason. He was, yeah. I mean, insane in the uh, in the Braves series. I think he faced nine batters, got them all out, and struck six of them out. <laughs> Uh, he was, he was uh, on one, yeah. Um, so yeah, like it's it's definitely an interesting style. I'm just I'm just rooting for the fun here. Yeah. Give me give me all the games possible. I, I want to see it. I definitely want to see it go to go to seven here. Mm-hmm. And with what I'm seeing from game one, um, I don't know. It's not anything out of the ordinary. I think I think I could have very well seen it going like this before it ever started. Yeah. Like, Phillies get a couple clutch home runs. Wheeler kind of avoids uh, avoids any big uh, big shots and gets through seven shutout innings. Yep. And that's how it's looking. I mean, the Padres could come back, hypothetically. It's the Phillies' bullpen, so. But I'm going to go with Phillies in seven. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's... With this one, it, you almost have Like, I could picture, you know, like, the Wheeler-Nola games are going to be very tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could also picture Wheeler being available out of the bullpen in a potential Game 7. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I feel like Zach Wheeler is just going to establish himself as that guy this postseason. He already has, you know, against the Cardinals, against the Braves, and then again tonight. Uh, I think he could continue to do so, especially in a 7th game setting. Yeah. Um, 
I'm, I'm thinking about like the Snell matchup, and mm-hmm. I feel like it could work out in the Padres' favor because some of the bigger bats, and and you know there are there is some righty power in yeah, the like Reese Hoskins, line. Nick Castellanos, but uh, and I, Schwarber and Harper, their two best bats arguably are Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper. Um, so I'm curious what the platoon splits, splits are on Snell's side. And, and they're dead side. even. <laughs> 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 it's always fun thinking of a narrative in your head and then in live time seeing it actually does not exactly work out that way. Blake Snell, <laughs> this year, 635 OPS against righties and uh, 635 OPS against it's lefties. It's literally dead even. <laughs> That's fantastic. I would, uh, let's check... Uh, let's You check Swarber, I'll check Harper. Yeah. <laughs> I know Harper did struggle struggle down the stretch, but um, yeah, you know I mean, he's he's still had an eight seventy seven OPS this year. I feel like it's it's more rare to have your two. Uh, best ooh, bats. Harper, nine twenty five OPS against righties, seven seventy six against lefties. So that split is definitely there for him. Um, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, if this your computer's load. stressing me out. Oh yeah, it's it's gonna explode. <laughs> you could probably hear. It sounds it. like a jet engine right now. Yeah, it. <laughs> that's why I love I love those. Um, oh, there's definitely a you know thing with Schwarber. Schwarber, it's worse. Nine hundred OPS against righties, six eighty seven against lefties. Um, Harper actually has a BABIP of two twenty points higher against lefties, which only means he strikes out far more against them. Because um, he also had 15 home runs against righties and three against lefties, so it's not like there's, you know, it's not like that's a factor. There's more home runs and less balls in play. Um, Interesting. Okay, let's see. And uh, obviously, he has more plate appearances against righties. It's natural. 52 strikeouts. Yeah, 52 strikeouts against righties in 291 plate appearances. 35 against lefties in only 135 plate appearances. That is a much higher strikeout rate. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, as I mentioned, has a 687 OPS against lefties. Um, also so, a much lower ISO. So, yeah, that uh, that's a potential factor there. Um, so yeah, we'll see we'll see how that works out for Blake Snell, and because he he, I don't think we mentioned it too much uh, when we were talking about the Dodger series, but he had a very good start. Um, he looked like he had in the uh, entire second half. I think that Mets start was a yeah. bit of a fluke. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you break it down game by game, like Snell versus Nola seems kind of even, and uh, Suarez versus Musgrove, I feel like you have to give the advantage to Musgrove there. Um, Syndergaard versus Clevenger just seems like a like a, <laughs> a weird, a weird funny matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I'll I'll um. I'll just ride. I'll I'll ride with the um with Padres and seven. Okay, that's fair. I'll ride with Padres and seven. By the way, um, Bryce Harper just turned thirty two days ago. Shout out to Bryce Bryce Harper on his thirtieth birthday. Already homered in this game. Yeah. So I guess we'll have to find all his stats of like. Before turning thirty, blah 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 blah. Oh, I've been looking. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I'll say Padres at seven. 
maybe just to be different, maybe because I feel like yeah. I've underestimated the Padres the whole time. Uh, you, you owe it to the Padres. I owe to, it to the Padres to pick them. To give them some respect. And it's like, hey, you beat the 101-win Mets, you beat the 111-win Dodgers. Here's the 87-win <laughs> Phillies. But here's the thing, though. Like, being hot in the playoffs is just different. Yes. Like, it doesn't matter how many wins you had in the regular season if you're at going right at this current moment. Yeah. But what I am saying is they deserve to be picked. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think them ending on... I think it's going to be relatively even the, the whole time. I don't think either team's really going to go up, like, 3-1. Yeah. Um, I think... It will definitely go back to San Diego, and I think they're going to like that it's back in San Diego. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I'll pick uh, Padres in seven with them. Um, yep. It'll probably be Musgrove versus Suarez in that game. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I like that. I, I do. Like that. I do like that for for the Padres, but you know, game and as Kevin Millar said, anything can happen in Game Seven. Yeah. Um, Yankees Astros. We we don't really have. I think we all know the storylines and everything that, that exists there. Like, I feel like I could just close my laptop and talk about this one. Right. Um, look, it's round four. People are saying round three It's technically round four. But I also understand people saying it's round three. Um, it's round three of them in the AOCS. Yeah. It's round four of them in the playoffs because they face each other in the 2015 wildcard game, which was just such a different Yankee team. Yeah. Like, that team had, like, Brian McCann and Carlos Beltran hitting, like, third and fourth. <laughs> yeah. It was the year after Derek Jeter retired. Yeah. And even the Astros were a much different team. Like, still, yep. they did have a... Like, Carlos did... Gomez, Colby Rasmus. Yeah. Like, they had Springer, Correa, Altuve. Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, in his Cy Young season. His Cy Young season. very much out of baseball now. Yeah. Like... Um, yeah, it wasn't good enough to stay on the Diamondbacks or Rangers this year. Yeah, um, and yeah, the Astros have won all those uh, all those playoff series. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's t- it's you definitely have to lean Astros when you're talking about this for a variety of reasons. I think the biggest one is that like the Yankees and Astros face each other when the Yankees are at their peak. Like the last time that they faced each other was uh, like right after the All Star break, which I guess maybe wasn't at their peak. But, I mean, you know, they split a four-game series at Yankee Stadium uh, in mid- in late June when they were really rolling, the Yankees. And the Astros, A, they combined no-hit the Yankees in that series, and B, they absolutely could have taken all four. Yeah. Like, the games that the Astros won, the Yankees were never winning, but the games the Yankees won, the Astros had and lost. Right. One of them where they were up three in the ninth. Uh, and then, you know, what was it? Aaron Hicks hit a, a game-tying three-run home run, and then Aaron Judge walked it off. And then Aaron Judge walked it off again yeah. uh, with a home run in the next game. They blew a lead in the eighth, gave up a walk-off homer to Judge in the ninth. I was, uh, I was at uh, Old Mountain Field that day in uh, South Kingston, Rhode Island. Yeah. Watching yeah. the uh, the Keen Swamp Bats and the Ocean State Waves. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Shout-out to uh, shout out to Nick Conti and his 96-mile-per-hour yeah. uh, yeah. average fastball. No. Um, <laughs> Aaron Judge's home run had nothing on Kyrie Miller's home run that day. <laughs> um, I did. Yeah. I did enjoy that place though. It was nice. Yeah. Shout, shout out to the Ocean State Waves. If, if anyone from the shout out to uh, the media guy from the Waves who uh, drove back from their place in Providence to let me back in the press box because I left my camera there and it was locked. 
Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. I was driving to uh, my girlfriend's house, and 20 minutes in, I realized I didn't have my camera, so I drove back, couldn't find it, the press box was locked, so I had to call the, the team GM, he had to get me in contact with the team broadcaster, I had to call him, be like, hey... Uh, you may or may not remember me from being at the game today, but I left my camera in the press box. I need you to come get it because I am going to be two hours away tonight, so I cannot be there um, tomorrow. Yeah. And yeah, he was nice enough to let me in and got my camera back. Yeah. Yeah, what an experience shout that was. Out, shout out to him. Shout out to him. His name was Ben. Shout out to Ben yeah. from the Ocean State Waves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the... I think it is a good point that you mentioned that the Yankees were at their peak form when they, you know, split a series with the Astros, uh, and you know they, and the Astros easily could have won it because when I think about the Yankees, middle of the ninth already. Yep. This game has flown. Yeah. What time is it? It's ten thirty. Ten thirty-five. I guess it makes sense because it's two nothing, but this game is two and a half hours old. Yeah, not a lot of. Uh, high leverage situations in this no, one. It's already the middle of the night, though. But, like, wasn't it just the top of the eighth, I swear? I don't know. Um, it was crazy. But, yeah, when I when I look back at the Yankees in, like, what was it, June or July? Mm-hmm. Um, and I look at them now, like, I think about the Yankees' bullpen and how, like, Michael King's not in that bullpen right now. And I don't see... Wandy, Chad Green is not in it. I don't see Wandy Peralta as being dominant as he was at that point. I don't see Clay Holmes being... He was good in that series. But like, he, obviously, like, the only error he really had was the one-third inning he had. He pitched in all five games. Yeah. Um, And he was excellent in game four, excellent in game five. But I don't uh, see that back end as shut down as I did back yeah. in, like, June. And also, like, the Guardians and Astros are such different offenses. Right. Um... But, like, the Astros are also coming off a very unimpressive-looking series, even though they swept. Yeah. I know that sounds so weird to say, but, like, the Yankees should have swept that series, and the Astros should have won in five. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's um, a good way to put it. You know, I mean, like, it doesn't, you know, Jose Altuve is going to be coming off of an over-eight performance. Um, it, the Astros did play them better. You know, they won the series, season series 5-2, to two, and they probably could have won it 7-0. Um, they won every game played at Minute Maid Park. Um, the Yankees are one in one in five at Minute Maid Park uh, in the playoffs mm. since twenty seventeen. Yeah, with very few runs per game. Yeah, because they scored. Yankee fans don't like to talk about this, but they scored three runs in the four games they lost in the two thousand seventeen ALCS. But right. they but they lost because the Astros' offense was cheating. Yeah. True. Their pitching was fine. Even you know, their pitching was not cheating, and they also were the best part of that series <laughs> yep. for, the, for Houston. Yeah, I mean, um, with this series, I, what I look at is um, how can how, how can the Yankees kind of try to shut down Jordan Alvarez because he is kind of mm-hmm. um, as to put it in Thanos terms, he is inevitable. Yeah, I mean, the Mariners did in the eighteen inning game. They did, yes. Like he but, went, he went over six with a hit by pitch, I think. Yeah, but you know, no one, no one was hitting in that game except for Jeremy Payne, of course. <laughs> I mean, he was barely even hitting that <laughs> yeah. game. He was one for eight. <laughs> <laughs> but so I think for the Yankees, it's that. I think with the Astros, I think their starting pitching needs to perform like it has all season. Yeah. Um, you can't have Justin Verlander can't go out and do what he did against the Mariners. That's going to put them in a bad situation. Yeah. Um, 
that's that's kind of what I what I look at there. I think Garrett Cole is going to really need to do well in what, however many opportunities he gets. I'm assuming he's starting game three and then possibly seven. And, I mean, the, the Yankees are not in a good situation to start the series at all. No. I mean, Justin, I mean, I think the only thing that really is hanging on their game one chances is the fact that Justin Verlander just was not it in game one and also really hasn't been it in the postseason lately. But also, it's been, what, since 2019, since he's pitched in the postseason? Like, he struggled against the, the Nats in, in 2019. Obviously, he didn't pitch there in 2020 or 21. Yeah. Um, and he didn't pitch well against the Mariners. But I don't know. It, he is still Justin Verlander. I'm sure we'll see the. I'm sure we'll see the old Donald Trump tweets at some point <laughs> during the series because he has like the, he has like the Verlander looks is good but looks beatable. But also like what are the Yankees doing? They look so bad. Verlander is dominating them. Tweets <laughs> like we're getting either one of those. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Verlander. So it's it's Verlander versus Tyon game one, yeah. and you just look at the, you just look at that, and it's like okay. Astros have the advantage, and they do. Yeah, uh, especially because Jamison Tyone, his problem as a pitcher is that he gives up a lot of home runs. Mm-hmm. Like when he's when he's struggling, that's really the struggle. And this is a home run hitting lineup, unlike Cleveland. And then, game two, it's Framber Valdez versus Luis Severino. That would be my guess. Um, likely, and and then game three would be McCullers versus Cole. Yeah. Game four would probably be. Uh, Urquidy versus Nah, you gotta put Nestor. Christian Javier out. Christian there. Javier versus Nestor. I, I don't know. They used him out of the bullpen in this. I series. am a Christian Javier advocate. <laughs> Chris is a Christian Javier truther. Yeah, I would say Javier versus this uh, is the guy. Cortez. This is the guy that started the combined no hitter game. He went seven innings. He struck out thirteen batters. He walked. Yeah. He walked one, and he allowed no hits. He finished the season. On 23 consecutive scoreless innings with 29 strikeouts and 6 walks. Mm-hmm. I want to see him start in the playoffs. I know that he's versatile and he has uh, experience both starting games and relieving games. But I could see him doing both. Like I could see him doing like the 2018 Rick Porcello where he like pitches out of the bullpen in like games 1 or 2 for like an inning or so and then starts game 4. Yeah, for sure. But I, I think there's some valuable innings to be had out of Javier starting the game. Yeah. Um... And yeah, I don't know. Like, just he was he was very good to end the year, and mm-hmm. I would definitely rather have him out there than Jose Arquiti. I do understand starting McCullers off over him because McCullers does have some big game experience, no doubt, and he did great against the Mariners. So I'll give him. Do you think for Yankee fans, this feels more like the World Series than the World Series would be? Oh yeah, I mean the, because I also think if the Yankees win this series, they're probably winning the World Series. Like they're going to be riding such a high going off a, a defeat of Houston, and that it will that it won't matter who they face. Also, it's like their first time in the World Series. Yeah, like you, it gives me that. Years. Yeah, it gives me that like 2004 Red Sox feel where it's like we just beat the Yankees. We don't care who we're facing in the World Series. Like that was our World Series, and we're going to carry that momentum in against the Cardinals. And that was a objectively better Cardinals team. Yeah, that they went in and swept. Like, I feel like if the Yankees beat the Astros, they're not, no one is stopping them in the World Series. Yeah, it, um, it would be hard. Yeah. It would be difficult. And also, like, I think I think a lot of them want to beat the Astros a little bit more than they want to win the World Series. 
Yeah, I mean, that that's definitely a win in itself. Like, I know that it is, you know, the Yankees and the expectation is always a championship, but I feel like if they win against the Astros and lose in the World Series, it's like, yeah, that loss sucked, but damn, we beat Houston. Yeah, and it's not even all about the whole cheating scandal thing. It's also that... It's mostly lost, about that, but it lost, also is... They've lost twice to them. It's It's been kind of a big brother, little brother situation there yeah. for a while. And, I mean, the Astros are kind of that, like... AL team that's always in the way now. I mean, they've mm-hmm. they they're they're one series went away from reaching the World Series four out of six years, which mm-hmm. is extremely impressive. And in the other years, uh, they were in the ALCS. So I mean, they've made the ALCS six years in a row. So they've yeah. just always been that team. They're they're they've been that team in the AL for a while, and just beating them would would be a triumph in itself. Yeah. Um, if so, if the Yankees win, you know. They get everything they've really wanted uh, to get to beat Houston and then to go to the World Series. Aaron Judge will finally get his chance, you know, that deep into the playoffs. But if the Astros win, in my opinion, I know it won't actually go like this, but I think Yankee fans have no room to talk about 2017 ever again. Yeah, that's true. Because, like, we know that they're clean now. Like, 2017, we know they were cheating. 2019, there's speculation. Nothing was ever confirmed, but there's reason to believe they may have been doing something. Mm-hmm. We know that there's nothing going on right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think if if the Astros still win completely clean, oh my god, the Phillies <laughs> defense! The Phillies defense, folks! <laughs> oh my, and that was Bryson Stott, too. That's like the one good defender they have. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, they're doing that thing. Well... Yeah, for context, uh, Juan Soto just hit a ground ball to... Could have been a game-ending double play. Bryson Stott, he throws it. Oh, that's more on... Yeah. Uh, it on was Bohm. to Alec Bohm. That was That's on Stott. He's got to catch that ball. Yeah. It was Bohm could have made a better throw, but... Weird that that could have been a game-ending double play. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, And now it's Machado. Yeah. Machado, by the way, yeah, eleven thirteen OPS against the Dodgers in the NLDS. facing Alvarado here. Yeah, gonna be interesting here. Yeah. This is a sweet camera angle, huh? Now it's back on Boom, dude. It would be so funny if the Phillies defense loses them this game. <laughs> it would be. It would be too funny. I guess we can, <laughs> unless there's a pitching change. Yeah. Uh, um, we could... I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to say about Yankees Astros before we we give our predictions? Um, I don't know. Is there any anything specific you think the Yankees need to do to beat them outside of score more runs than them? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely it. Um, no, I mean, shut. I think I think this this series is ultimately going to come down to who has the better bullpen. I know that we go over pitching matchups, but I really do think that a lot of these games are going to be decided late. Mm-hmm. Um, Houston's was obviously excellent against Seattle. I mean, how many scoreless innings did they have in in Game Three? Um, yeah, Houston's bullpen was excellent the whole series, really. I mean, like, most of the Astros game one, or the Mariners game one run scored off Verlander. The bullpen held him in check so that they could win that game on a walk-off. Uh, I don't think they really did much in game two. And the Yankees' bullpen was also terrific uh, later in the series. You know, after uh, after game three when they had that ninth-inning meltdown, you know, uh, Wandy Peralta looked fantastic. Clay Holmes looked good. Jonathan Lewisica looked awesome today. Both bullpens are coming in looking really solid these playoffs, but I think the better one wins. 
uh, ultimately. Um, and for my series prediction, I am going to go Astros in six, the same as 2019 and 21. Right, yeah. Um, with this one, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be a really absolute dominant just, you know, uh, just destruction from one team to the other. Um, but I see I see the Astros taking the first two in Houston. They have great... Um, they have great mismatches with, you know, Verlander versus Tyon and, and probably Valdez versus Severino. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think the Yankees uh, win the Cole game, but um, I think uh, Javier goes in the Bronx. I think he does very well. I think they win game four, and then I think they win game five. I think wow. the Astros are going to take it in five. If they, would, I think the Astros would love nothing more than winning it in Yankee Stadium. It would be, it would be um, uh, something. Real quick them. before this Phillies Padres game could be about to end, I was just thinking about this. Do you think this is the best chance that both of these teams are going to have? Um, to because there are teams in both their divisions that look like they're going to be on top for a long time. Yeah, that's a good question. Because I mean, neither have excellent farm systems, um, and mm-hmm. I mean. Like the, I think the Padres were a team where we expected like elongated success, but they've lost a lot of trades. If we're being mm. honest, they also have not extended Soto yet. True, and, and they haven't really seemed to be pushing for that as of right now. Maybe they're just maybe they're focused on it over the off season because they have time. Yeah, as Bell is now one strike away from ending the game. However, like one thing to consider with the Padres is they're doing all this without potentially their best player in Fernando yeah. Tatis Jr. Um, so that's a factor in, like, Tatis and Soto are two very young guys that, you know, most likely are going to be in this organization a while. Manny Machado is still in his prime. Joe Musgrove is in his prime. You Darvish, you know, who knows how much longer that's of a shelf it. life. Phillies win. Yeah, Phillies win. Who, who knows how much longer of a shelf life you have with you Darvish. I mean, he's doing good now, but he's 34 or 35. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, there there are question marks there. With the Phillies, you know, I think it's most of their contributors are like late twenties, early thirties, so I think they have a shot, but I mean with the Phillies also it's like you have two teams in that division who are just juggernauts, or at least were this year. Who knows if the Phillies are or who knows if the Mets are gonna be what they were uh this year, next year. But yeah. Um I guess I guess maybe we can talk about that after the series have concluded, but yeah, I guess that does it for this uh, installment of Above Replacement Radio. Yep. Um, we hope you enjoyed this one. If you, or what are your thoughts on Philly's pot? Like, if they can, uh, if this is like their best shot. I think there's reason to believe that for both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a little bit more for the Phillies, just because like. You know, the Braves have their entire core locked up through for the next five years. The Mets are, you know, going to be there. The Nationals probably don't have to worry about, and maybe same with the Marlins. Um, yeah. I, I mean, think I think there's good reason to believe. I, I think it very well, I think they very well could get back here in another year with the current playoff format. Um, but I also think there's reason to believe this is the best shot they're going to have, especially now that they're up one game in the NLCS. Yeah. For the Padres... I think maybe it's kind of similar. Like, the Dodgers might always be winning the division, 
Um, you know, if we're looking at the rest of the division, the Diamondbacks and Rockies, maybe the Diamondbacks are up and coming, but I don't think it's going to be anytime soon as in next year soon. Mm-hmm. Rockies are nah. Giants are kind of meh right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the way the current playoff format, I mean, look at it. The Phillies are only here because the playoff format changed. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that definitely benefits them, ha- having two really good teams in that division. It makes it easier for them to uh, to reach to reach those playoffs. And you know, it mm-hmm. with with the Philly, like I think both teams have the ability to do great, and both teams have a great ability to self destruct, uh-huh. as we've seen as we've seen in recent years. So um, it's they're two extremely unpredictable teams, and the fact that they lie here as NLCS teams as five and six seeds um, shocks me, but also doesn't surprise me. One thing that's also worth noting um, in general, the final four teams each have payrolls in the top ten. Not that that really uh, is anything new, but hey, guess what? Spending big money wins in October. Sorry. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if, uh, I don't know, I was try, trying to think of a, think of a joke. I don't know if uh, Manny Machado's 11-13 OPS against the Dodgers was worth those $30 million. Yeah. I think, I think. Now what about that Bryce Harper 400 average with like a 1500 OPS? Oh yeah, oh, he's mi- He's he's earning all three hundred thirty million dollars just in this just in this season. just in the exactly like this is exactly what they signed him for. Yeah, um, he's absolutely killing it. It is, it is also very fun to know that this narrative has been thrown around. But like Harper and Machado were free agents in the same offseason, and now they're competing for a spot in the World Series. Right. I mean, it would have it would have been a fun narrative in like twenty nineteen, but Whatever. I don't I don't care anymore. <laughs> it's still fun now. Yeah. Like it's all it honestly maybe it's a little more fun because it's like hey, we're four years into this deal and it's and they're still good. Yeah. I know that it's not even halfway through for either of them, but the point is, like, hey, these guys that you signed a while ago for big money, they've been producing for you the entire time and you're seeing it in October now. Yeah. Right. Um yeah, and you're reaping the benefits for sure. Yeah. Um yeah, and it, I mean, coming coming off twenty eighteen, neither team were playoff teams, and now they are. And you know, the free agents that they were able to attain with the Phillies, it was you know, Real Muto getting him via trade and then signing him in free agency after the, his control ended. Yeah. Harper, Schwarber, uh, Castellanos, Wheeler in free agency. Uh, they extended Aaron Nola as well. Um, it's all worked out for them and Padres getting Soto via trade, Machado via free agency, Darvish via trade, Musgrove via trade, um, and, you know, eventually extending Musgrove, and Snell via trade. I mean, just, like, the opposite of homegrown there, but, I mean, it, you know, it shows some good GM work. Yep. Um, so, yeah, uh, that does it for this installment of Above Replacement Radio. We hope you enjoyed this one. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch or want to watch the conversation as it happens with the other podcasts, not this one, go to the YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's called Above Replacement Radio. Um, and uh, 
If you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gian to follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you next time where we will be talking about something. The, the LCSs. Yeah. <laughs> this conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>